0: Welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals Podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. A couple of days ago, literally a couple of days ago, we, like so many people, Charlie, have been cleaning things out and throwing things away and donating things, right? You know, That's what everybody's been filling their time with to some extent, basically, since March when COVID started to come around. I came across the first tablet I ever had, the like an iPad, yeah, the yeah. very first tablet I ever had. Uh, It was a it's a BlackBerry tablet. And yeah, and it's funny because I found it and I swear this is the truth. Literally hours later, you texted me and told me that the person who gave me that BlackBerry tablet was going to be on our podcast Wow, on our next podcast. And and here he is all the way from Russia. Uh, He's former Admirals forward, Taylor Beck. Do you remember giving that to me? I
1: do. I do.
0: Well, it was a situation, if I remember right, I I was in the locker room because I was looking for an interview or I don't remember exactly, but I was in the locker room and it, maybe it was practice. And you said that you had like three of them that you kept getting for gifts. I saw you play. I sat behind you on
1: the bus and I saw you playing video games on your phone always. And uh, <laughs> I re- <laughs> and I remember um, this guy back uh back in Canada, I, I think he worked for Blackberry, but he kept giving my dad I think two or three of them and uh, <laughs> I didn't need two or three so I yeah. wanted you to I wanted you to have maybe a bigger device to
2: play some games on. Well, right, I so you can actually—he could see the screen instead of squinting yeah. in the dark. bus. That's why,
0: yeah, that's why I got glasses now. Yeah, that's what—that's why. <laughs> that's why that's <laughs> right, I, if you had yeah. only
2: given him that BlackBerry a year before, he probably wouldn't yeah. need the glasses. I wouldn't need
0: to spend yeah. that kind of money on yeah on my eyes. That's good. No, it it, uh, it it's funny that I found it. It is really funny and how the coincidence of of the whole thing. Uh, for sure. How how are things going for you? I mean, it's been. Since you left Milwaukee, you had a season in Nashville, but then it's like you've been the, the old Everywhere. Ricky Nelson song, "Traveling Man." You've been, oh, yeah. you've been all over the place.
1: Yeah, um, certainly have. Um, not exactly how I envisioned my career going as a as a young guy. I didn't expect to be sitting in Russia right now talking to you guys, but um, I had no regrets. Uh, I I loved every team that i played on um i'm happy that i had so many different uh experiences um some better than others obviously but uh i get to play hockey for a living um sometimes it brings you to some crazy places and i've seen a whole bunch of things i never thought like playing hockey in china um playing in russia just different life experiences i never once thought i would say i would have um so i'm still still enjoying it
0: if i remember right you were the talk of camp in 2009 or 2010 in nashville right i mean everybody thought that you had a really good shot of making the team you had a fantastic camp when you're 18 19 years old do you think that the way your career has gone was, was how it was going to shake out when you were 18, 19 years old. Did you have any concept? I mean, and, 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 and as a part two, you go back to Guelph, maybe to talk to the guys who are playing in the OHL. Is this the kind of advice you give? Like, Hey, be prepared for anything kind of, kind of talk.
1: Yeah. To answer number two first. Yeah. I would say definitely be prepared for anything. Like I said, I never envisioned this as my hockey career path, but, I'd say like some of the most successful hockey players and I mean, just individuals I've ever been around is one thing that they're good at is go with the punches. So yeah. that would be, that would be my first advice. Um, but yeah, dating back, I remember I had a, had a great camp that year. I believe I was 19 at the time and I was still eligible to play in Guelph. So I, I wasn't expecting to crack the team, especially being a third round pick, but um I'm, I mean, I, I was extremely happy with that camp. I, I thought maybe I deserved a few more exhibition games, but uh, returned to Guelph and had a great year. Loved playing Guelph, and then next year, I was uh, I was ready for to start the year in Milwaukee.
2: But yeah. you got you got a piece of you got a taste of it at, after your junior season. That was a very good Admirals team that we had that year. Uh, yeah, in that 10-11 yeah, yeah, yeah. season. That was a very good team. And uh, so I have got to believe that is helpful for any kid coming in because there's a big difference. You're, you're uh, you know, as good of a, an OHL or a, a junior player as, as you can be, it doesn't match up to playing against men in the pros.
1: A hundred percent. Uh, I remember that was a little bit of an eye opener for me. Uh, Lane Lampert was the coach that year, I believe. And, uh, I mean, he taught me a lot in a short period of time. Um, getting up at that young age and getting experience before your first full year, I'd say, is uh, definitely a great experience. And it was a really good team, like you said. So learn <throat> learned from uh, a lot of the older guys. Uh, I still remember Fordo took us out for dinner, one of my first nights in Milwaukee. <laughs> I probably still owe him dinner from that. Um, <laughs> But uh yeah, great, great experience before starting a professional career.
0: It's good to have a guy like him and and I'm sure other teams and maybe you've turned into that guy too over the years, but somebody that's established or somebody that that knows the team right and and knows the culture and you walk in and and there's a Scott Ford there who you may not have a clue who he is, but he's he's such a a dominant presence. Not that he's a rah rah get in your face type of guy necessarily, but he's such a he's he's just he's in charge, and you know he's in charge.
1: If yeah, like a hundred percent, he's the best guy to have on on any team. I've never really had a comparison to him. Um, I still think back all the time at all the things he set up, whether it was going to Brewers games, Packers games. Um, and i mean liambus mike liambus sent me a video two minute video yesterday i think and it was just all the things that we did together those three years that i was there And i think fordo was there for all of them um maybe not the one year it might have been peoria
2: he came back at the end of the he back came back well. he got yeah. traded back uh yeah
1: yeah yeah that sounds right but uh i mean i think fordo had his hand in on setting a, all of those. And I was just reminiscing with Leambis about it. And I wish if there's one thing that I wish it was, I wish I wasn't so worried and put so much pressure on myself to get up to Nashville at that time. And I really could have appreciated the city and all the things that I was doing. Cause it's amazing city to play, uh, to play in the AHL and, uh, I don't know it's give or take because obviously I had so much drive to get to the NHL, but maybe didn't realize and how amazing of a situation it really was.
0: But you have to be that selfish, right? To get yeah. there, you have to be that selfish. You have to forego things so you can train or so whatever the case might be. Right. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. And we've said this many times, Milwaukee may be a favorite city if you're a hockey player but it's the 32nd best city if you're a hockey player, because there's 31 NHL teams.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, I mean, they say that your worst enemy can be being comfortable. So that's, that's something, like I said, it's give and take. Um, You a hundred percent have to be driven and focused to, to make it to the NHL because it's so competitive. Everyone's trying to get there.
2: And and there's, it's so, it's so odd too. And we talk about, we've talked about this many times, but like as a prospect and a player in an AHL team, you have to have the camaraderie with your teammates. You have to get along with them and you have to want to succeed collectively. But at the same time, you want to be the one who gets called up. And like, there has to be a, why did that guy get called up over me type of feeling? Even the, even if it's like just a fleeting moment uh, it, it has, there has to be that, uh, you know, that, that thought that goes in there and that's, that's tough to manage.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause sometimes you're ending up playing with some of your best friends, um, at a young age, it's, it's pretty hard to differentiate the two. Cause you're,
0: right.
1: you selfishly want to, to get up to the NHL, but the next guy next to you wants to get up probably just as bad, yeah, but, uh yeah. um, but it was a great group of guys when I was in, uh, in Milwaukee. I, I know for a fact that when I was, got called up, I, I think everyone was, was really happy for me. And um, I mean, that year that I got called up, I think there was five, six, seven guys that were called up shortly after me, maybe a couple before. Um, by the end of the year, there was a lot of us up there and it was a, a great time.
0: Charlie, Charlie usually asks, and I'm going to cut him off, but what the, how you were told, how did
2: you find out you were, when you first got recalled? What was, uh, what was the circumstance and who you were in Milwaukee in such a unique time. Like you had, you started with Lane Lambert for that little bit of a season. Then you went to the, the Kirk Muller. You were part of the Kirk Muller experiment. And, uh, uh, and he still owes, he still owes the team 300 bucks. Uh, Kirk, come on, please. Uh, it, and then Herbie, like, you and got then, a piece of it. like you're getting yeah, a piece of it. Exactly. So anyways, you, there was a lot of change and a lot of turmoil, which the admirals as an organization doesn't typically have. So back to the Aaron's question though, uh, about h- who told you how it happened and, uh, just your experience, uh, on your first call up.
1: Um, it's a funny story that I'm not going to tell a hundred percent truthfully, when I got called up for the first time but my coach at that time was Dean Evison. and I can say that he to this day is the best coach that I've had in professional hockey. I loved playing for him. I think every player that had him in Milwaukee would say the same thing. Um so truthful um Funny guy too, but uh, like to the Tells point, great stories. You know, yeah, you know exactly where you stand with him. And I think that's one of the best qualities that a, that a coach can have, you know, exactly what he wants from you at all time, but getting back to me getting called up, I was, I remember it was uh, the day before was St. Patty's day. And uh, I think we played on the Saturday night and then, Dean was great about days off. We won a couple in a row. So we got Sunday and Monday off. No one knows this story. So <laughs> <laughs> we went out the Saturday night probably for a couple drinks. And then Sunday was St. Patty's Day. Um, so we had quite a few drinks that day. And I remember I was coming back from a shoulder injury. So I woke up Monday morning not feeling my best whatsoever. And uh, I was getting treatment from Aggie for my shoulder and Dean walked in and told me I was flying out to Minnesota to play my first game the next day. My first reaction was like, of course, it's got to be this day.
2: <laughs> right. How am I going to get on a plane? My head's going to explode. <laughs> it's got to be this day of all days.
1: And there was a huge friggin' snowstorm um that day so i i believe i was supposed to fly out of milwaukee got changed to chicago drove to chicago uh delayed 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 i didn't end up walking in my hotel room in minnesota until it wasn't minnesota I, I, that <laughs> it was columbus i knew i was wrong when i said it i got to columbus at uh 3 30 in the morning and i'd be up for like eight for pre-game skate and oh wow! <laughs> it was time for me to man up and just and, <laughs> find a way to just get uh, find my way to play my best hockey, even though I wasn't feeling my best. Maybe
2: at at that point, does adrenaline take over for you, or uh, is oh it, yeah, it, it is, yeah? So yeah,
1: hundred percent. I I didn't feel one ounce of being tired or whatnot. I I'll remember that game even though I freaking said the city wrong at first, but I'll remember (laughs) that game for the rest of my life. I remember a couple of my friends drove down from, I think they were in Ohio somewhere. um, And I played (laughs) with Mike Mike Fisher and Martin Erat. So, I mean, I played first line in my first game with those guys. It was something not to forget.
0: Well, especially at that time, man, like Nashville didn't do that. If you were called up, you were playing fourth line. And with all due respect to the guys on the fourth line,
2: that's not where you belonged.
0: That's not where you belong. So that, I mean, for you to play with those players at that time, that, that says a lot about where your game was at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was playing extremely well um, that year. I remember just having fun with hockey. Um, And I remember Nashville wasn't doing that well. I think they were maybe a little bit in the playoff race, but I think most people would have written them off at that point. So I think I did get up at a point where they kind of could give me a shot um, without too much pressure, but like I said, I enjoyed every second of it. Well,
0: oh, and you produced too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I scored in my third game. Uh, that one was against Columbus, I know for
2: sure. So, um, what 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 happened? To, do you still have the puck? I gotta believe you do.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I believe it's the NHL. I don't think it's just Nashville, but I think they've they kind of frame put on a plaque right at uh and that's still sitting on my dresser at home i mean i I still remember it was assisted by blummer and gabriel bork so i remember they were trying to tell me i would own dinner after the game
2: but (laughs) (laughs) so you did your your first game back to your first game did your parents get to uh that's not a that's not columbus is not far from your hometown uh no parents make it
1: they didn't make it – they were in Nashville shortly after. I think it was – there might have been a snowstorm all the way up north at that point because I, I know I barely got there. So I I forget, the, but I think – well, they were there to see my first goal. So other than that, it, they was, were. it was great. Yeah, That's awesome.
0: So
2: oh, – go ahead, Aaron.
0: I was going to say, Charlie has talked about your, the coaches you played for. I'm just curious because Kirk was here for a very, very short time, Kirk Muller. Um, yeah. we don't hear, we, we don't hear a lot about Kirk as a coach and, and what it was like to deal with him. I got to imagine you knew very well who Kirk Muller was. I mean, he was an outstanding Canadian hero yeah. for, for many, many years and you know, Captain Kirk and all of that stuff. So what, what was that like to play for Kirk Muller?
1: Yeah, I knew how, how he was as a player. I didn't know anything about him as, as a coach. Um, my first year was tough in Milwaukee I I, like we talked about earlier it was it's an adjustment for any younger guy he didn't make it any easier for me I don't think he made me earn everything that I got that's for sure I I don't I don't remember playing much for him when he was there really but uh no no that's for sure and then I remember when Herbie took over he played me a lot more and uh I think as soon as he took over, to be honest, I I started to play really well and, and that's what find I my yeah find my game, and uh, I ended up with with having a good year by by the end of the season, and uh, just wanted to carry that into the next year.
0: I wish I wish I remembered that because I I, I don't remember that. I'm sorry. I, I, I
1: no I, no problem.
0: I did. I, yeah, I, I didn't remember that, and I'm you know I'd heard and and for a player like you because we've had other people talk about Kirk and say that he gave them some offensive freedom and stuff like that. And, and I guess when I asked the question, that's what I thought of with you, like you're going to have some offensive freedom. That's going to be your type of game.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, I kind of thought that too. I I think I had 95 points the year before in junior, but I remember, I remember playing on, on the fourth line, grinding it out for, for the most part, which, which is okay. I mean, some of the, Older school coaches um, wanted their young players to grind and, and learn how the games played, and maybe it did end up helping me. I mean, it, it's just so different now. And you see, I can watch an NHL game now and not know three quarters of the team because right. they're all so they're all so young. young. Yeah. They get given every opportunity right off the start. I'm not here sitting here complaining. It's just uh, I think time has
0: changed. Yes. Um, in a very short amount of time, Co- think yes, We're coaching philosophies.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think coaching philosophies have re- have evolved very quickly uh, from the Mike Keenan uh, mm-hmm. type style, and, and now every coach is a player's coach. A hundred percent. Do you see that in Russia?
1: Uh, uh no, no. It, it's it's uh, still
2: very ruled by an iron very.
1: Fist. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's the, probably the best way to, to put it, but going back to what we just said, I think obviously a big thing as well as the coaching adapting and all that, I think the salary cap has a lot to do with it with the contracts. Now you sign three guys that are making 40 million combined. You got to right. fill the spots with entry-level contracts. And right. that wasn't the, that wasn't the case back then. Um, but like I said, no regrets and just have enjoyed every second.
2: Yep. I, I want to go way, way back to something that you had mentioned that you had, you know, talking about some of your best friends in Milwaukee, but you came to Milwaukee with one of your best friends and Michael yeah. Uh, Just talk, tell us a little bit about how your relationship with him started and uh, how neat of an experience was it for you guys to play together?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, Lats is still one of my best friends to this day. Um we, he got traded to Guelph when we were 17. I started there when I was 16. So we played better part of three years together, um, and obviously we're great friends there. We were drafted two picks apart, 70th and 72nd. I was 70th, of course. And 72nd. I'm sure you, rem- I'm sure you remind
2: him of that all the time, right?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, right away when when it happened. Um, so yeah, we lived together in Milwaukee with Yossi our first year. Um, and then, I mean, we're, like I said, we're still best friends. We ended up playing together on Kunlun in uh, China in the KHL. Yes. That was uh, like
2: Admirals 2.0, that team was.
1: Exactly. It was, who was it? Me, Lada, Jarvanen. Jonas uh, uh Was Bartz on that team? Bartz. Uh, Trevor Murphy Jeremy, Jeremy Smith was there.
2: Oh, Smitty was there, yeah
1: um yeah I didn't play I didn't play with Murphy though
2: no you didn't no not not in Milwaukee no
1: yeah but I think he was there the year after uh after I left
2: okay uh (laughs) hold on I, I you just mentioned that you played uh with or you lived with Roman Yossi did you ever go watch him play ping pong he used to go to spin and play or uh was it spin what was the name of that ping pong ball? Yeah, yeah. yeah, did you ever go down and watch him play? Like he would, he would go play against like the locker room competition wasn't good enough for him, so he needed to go down and play against like pro, sort of professional players. Like
0: yeah, the hustler. yeah, yeah, the, he's a hustler. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: I remember that. I think I beat him once in my life. Uh, I remember him, and I believe. I believe Mark Van Gilder would have been that there that year, and I remember he's the only one who could who could give him a game.
2: Yeah, Van yeah. Van Van is a very good ping pong player. He and I yes. he was injured for a while, and I would uh, shirk my duties in the office at lunch, and we'd go over there. I'd come back to the office, I'd be sweating. Just profuse, like what, what? were you just doing? Oh, I was just playing ping pong for the last hour and fifteen minutes.
1: I rem- I remember playing against you. You were a defensive
2: specialist, weren't you? <laughs> I I don't want. I wouldn't call it a specialist by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. But I I played a lot of ping pong. I like
0: a lot ping. of rope a dope from Charlie on the ping pong <laughs> table.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Just <laughs> tire you out. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Van too. Van, Van. We talked about Fordo being a presence. Like Mark Van Gilder, a soft spoken guy, but. I mean, you just know he's in charge, right? You just know he's yeah. that type of guy. Van is –
1: I I haven't talked to him uh, since playing there, I don't think, but he was one of the best teammates I've ever had. I played with him pr- probably the most as a centerman throughout my time there, and I, I loved playing with him. I loved him as a guy, the nicest, warm-hearted guy you'll ever meet.
2: Yeah. Were, were you in the locker room when he got his, he played one NHL game. Were you in the locker room when he got yeah, held up? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That, I'll never that, forget
2: that. Yeah. Dean or, or Mark, like just, just the way it, just the way it happened where it's like Dean says it so offhandedly and all the guys just go crazy because that's the mm-hmm. type of guy Mark was right.
1: For sure. For sure. Uh,
2: So you leave, you leave Milwaukee. Well you you play a full season in Nashville in 13, uh, no 14, 15. Yeah. Uh and you have a good season uh but then you so are you a restricted free agent at that point or are you a uh uh are you F A? Yeah. Uh, un,
1: UFA Yeah I was I was restricted at that point and I mean I I didn't expect what happened to happen I was kind of just getting ready for the next year and then um I think the talks between my agent and the team just went a little little bit sideways. Um, There's a lot more things that went into it that I won't get into. But then I ended up getting traded to Toronto. Um, Right. Yeah. And then I signed with them. I mean, that's obviously basically my hometown. So I was living in California training with nice with eric nystrom moved home to start training with them and then that's when everything started getting a little crazy for me is started training camp there first day do maple leaf interviews on tv wearing the jersey do fitness testing medical and then we're getting ready to fly to nova scotia to open up training camp i'm on my way to the airport still first day of training camp and Lou Lamarillo calls me. I didn't talk to him once in my life. <laughs> he was the GM.
2: Yeah.
1: But Kyle Kyle Dubas was acting as the GM while uh, Lou wasn't uh, around at that point. So he was the one who traded for me and signed me. And then Lamarillo came in. And first day of training camp, I'm traded to the Islanders.
2: <laughs> first day of training camp.
1: Do my physical, do the fitness testing, do Leafs interviews, all this. Hometown stuff. boy. Have, have have my apartment in the hometown, and uh, on the way to the airport, and trade it to the Islanders, and uh, so that was weird feeling. Uh, went home, packed my stuff, moved to well, thought I was moving to Long Island. I was on a one way deal at that point, and I got to that team, and. I could tell I was not in their plans. I don't even think they knew I played in the NHL the year before. Um, that's what if that's what it felt like, at least, yeah. uh, To be honest, um, so then I'll just give you a quick graph up in North America, <laughs> and then uh, went started in Bridgeport, got called up once or twice. Um, but I mean, at that point, I I thought I was a NHL player playing the year before, um, so. And then at that point I ended up getting traded to Colorado at the deadline and basically said, go play a couple games and then like most likely you'll get, end up getting called up for the rest of the year. They weren't doing well at that point. So I thought it was a good opportunity and you can't make this one up. I was uh, at the hotel after I finished the game thinking I was going to get called up pretty soon for the rest of the year. And, uh, I was walking down the stairs with a coffee in front of my face, drinking it, and someone said something, and I looked back, and I missed my step as I'm drinking my coffee, and I tore my ankle apart.
2: Oh, oh no!
1: Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah. So then I oh. missed the remain missed the remainder of uh, of that year, and then I was uh... so that was a tough one to swallow. Oh, and, then was, and then I would, and then the next year I was a free agent, obviously coming off of a tough year, like with the injury and going up and down all the time. Um, then I signed with Edmonton. Thought I was going to get a pretty good opportunity there. Thought I had a really good training camp, but started in um, in Bakersfield. And I got called up the first time. I think I was leading the age on points at, yeah. Yeah. At, at at that point. And I mean I got I got called up and played on like the fourth line. Um not very much ice time and, and whatnot. Um so then I got sent back down to Bakersfield, maybe called up again, same thing. And then at this point I was just just tired of going up and down and yeah not having any stability no or stability comfort and- in my life. Yeah. The Is agent mor- called said said that the Rangers wanted to trade for me. Um so thought I would give it one more one more chance. And I mean same story. So then by the time that season was done, I already signed in the KHL for the next season because
0: So you just it, the frustration was like I'm not gonna do it anymore. I'm not gonna do it anymore.
1: Yeah. I just wanted, I wanted some stability. Um, I mean,
0: obviously I wanted to make
1: good money as well, Yes. but, um, and that's what they were offering me in Russia. So I thought it was, I thought, I thought it was time to, to give it a shot. I, I also thought at that point that if I did really good, maybe I could, uh, give it another shot at some point coming back to North America. But, um, it hasn't
0: that like, isn't really presen- presented. Those thoughts aren't dead, are they? you still have some um, hope of that happening or no?
1: Maybe. I mean, I, I'd like to say I'm a little bit of a realist now co- coming to my older years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the last few years have been really good. I, I really enjoy playing over here. The, ho- the hockey's much, uh, much different, but i've i've got used to russia in a certain amount of ways and
2: is is russian so we we obviously everyone talks about the bigger ice but is there a difference between the way russia plays as opposed to maybe other places like is there a difference in the game besides the finland, big ice
0: i mean you you would play that you would play helsinki in finland right so i mean what or do the, they play, do they play a different
2: style in that or the Swedish League I've heard the Swedish League is just brutal from like a, a slashing and like uh, yeah, physicality yeah, yeah. perspective not necessarily checking but just like uh sort of like the not the, cheap stuff. the cheap stuff yeah
1: yeah yeah I, I've heard that same thing and yeah uh, you're 100 right there is, there is definitely a Russian way they want to play a possession game a skilled like very skilled game, make an extra pass here and there to try and maybe get an empty goal. It's completely different as North America is shoot the puck all the time from the point it's look for the, for the nice open play. That was the biggest adjustment for me. Also, I had no idea what to expect, but it's a lot more defensive in the way that all the teams trap and it, not a lot goes on. Um, in the ozone or in the neutral zone, because all the teams are just trapping all the time, and I, I didn't expect that whatsoever. And it was a big, big adjustment coming over here. But now that I fully understand how how the games played and how I can be successful, um, it's a, it's a lot of fun now.
2: Is that? It because- would to me.
0: That, I was going to say it would seem to me that that you, you have to skate in that league. And that that is that has always been one of your strengths. And that it would seem to me that um, like like if people can skate, there's always going to be a job.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, you depth There's a lot of speed in this league. Um, the game's not particularly fast in the way that. I take off if I'm a winger, because I know I'm going to get it from the defenseman, it's more so get open and then. The individual speed is really, really fast, and right. there's some guys in this league that can really fly. And I, I've done a good job keeping up with my skating the last few years um, that I can still get around. Some of the ice rinks are actually becoming NHL size now. There's really different. Yeah, there's three different ice size rinks here. I mean, I honestly think it's a joke that you can go from playing on Olympic size to a Finnish size. To an NHL size. What is three a finish? Three what's di- a
2: what's a finish size?
1: It's basically in between the Olympic and the NHL. Really? Uh, so like
0: 190 yeah. feet or something? Yeah. Or like well, that that's 200 what, by it, 95 or something. I
2: mean, you you played yeah. in Bridgeport. I think Bridgeport's rink was 190 feet. I don't think it was 200 feet. I think it was smaller than that. Maybe it's not uh, Bridgeport. Quad, but-
0: Quad Cities was definitely smaller than than that. You remember playing in Quad Cities? The one bench was like all inside the blue line. I never played there. You did Never okay. play there. No, they were gone by the time you got here. Yeah. That, that whole blue line, like the one bench was all inside the blue line because they couldn't, they had to knock out a wall to get a little, yeah. a little more space for their race. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah.
2: so pr- pronounce the name of the city that you started with. Uh,
1: Yekaterinburg.
2: Where is that?
1: It's uh, it's not too far from where I am now. It's actually a five-hour drive north. Um, I believe what they say is we're on the edge of Siberia. Like, we're actually considered in Asia continent. Sure. Um, but again, we're only a 90 to two-hour flight away from Moscow, just east, basically.
2: Right. Was that a, Was that an adjustment? I remember... Uh, I think it was Jason Guerrero. I don't. Did you? You didn't play with Jason Guerrero for us, no, probably. No. Uh, he, but he said he played in Finland for a couple of years, and he said it was a big challenge for him because there was no sun, right? The sun came up at ten a.m. and it set at three p.m., and that was a real that was difficult for him. And I bet I would imagine that would be the same, you know, being so far north for you.
1: Actually, um, here uh, and in Yekaterinburg, my first team it's on the, like I said, it's almost, it's considered Siberia. I think I could be wrong that it's the most sun out of anywhere, maybe in the world. Um, really? It, it Like the last two weeks, it's been close to minus 25 every single day. Yes. And the sun is out, out all the time, in, out all the time. But in Moscow, then that's very comparable to Finland. Um, when I was there the last couple of years, it's always gray. Um, it, it can get in some kind of moods for sure. I, right. I really enjoy the cold and sun versus gray and not that cold, sure. that's for right. sure. Yeah,
0: I can believe you had, that. Said, you had said earlier about your time in Milwaukee and uh, you, you taking advantage of, of the city and all of that. Charlie and I have said so often that we we get kind of jealous of of athletes who get to play all over the world, go go on somebody's dime and and see the world. How Mm -hmm. have you taken advantage of playing in Moscow, St. Petersburg, uh, Beijing, uh, all of these places, these, these, these great world cities?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I definitely took advantage of it. Um, Playing in, I was actually in, in Shanghai with Kunlun and, I love that city. I, I was there with Lada Yipper, Brandon Yip. Uh, we had a great, great group of guys. Pretty much all North American. We were all in the same position. So yeah. Shanghai was unbelievable. Huge. Who was
0: coaching you ac- there? Was was Kurt Fraser coaching there?
1: Uh, no, he came after me. Um, okay. It was Mike Keenan for my first three games. Uh, oh, it was guys, three games. Yeah, three games, and then he ended up getting getting fired but I I owe him a lot because he got me to he got me to Kunlun from uh from my first team um so at least he got me there before uh before he moved on but um yeah Shanghai was amazing and then Moscow I had no idea what to expect and it's one of my favorite cities um in the world now uh my girlfriend was there with me a lot last year there's amazing restaurants nightlife like just the culture there is amazing to see and uh bob hartley was extremely good with uh with his players like we had they have national team breaks in europe as i'm sure you guys know right so we we had three or four different breaks last year um where we got four days off so in the middle of the season last year i got to go to First year or the first time we went, me and my girlfriend went to Milan and Lake Como. Second time we went to Dubai. Wow. Uh, to Dubai, Dubai for four days. And then the third break, we got to Amsterdam and it's That's all awesome. within uh all within like a three hour flight or so from Moscow. So it's been, uh, it's been amazing to see, see the world from over here.
2: Yeah, I bet. I, uh, bet. I want to ask you about something that happened while during your time in Milwaukee and it, it centered a lot on your buddy, uh, Michael Latta. I call it the, uh, April fool's day massacre. Uh, it was Milwaukee and Rockford, April 1st, 2012 bench clearing brawl. You played in that game. I want to hear your perspective and your story on what happened there. Like we know what happened, but tell us like what you were seeing and what, and, and everything that was going on.
1: Yeah. I, it probably just a blur to me as much as it was to you guys. I, Remember, i think somebody scored maybe not but then we, i looked down the ice and it was rob flick was starting it and it was after it was after smitty I, it was a TV it was timeout. right yeah it was yeah, a TV it was timeout
0: it was during a, a break on the ice yeah tv timeout
1: yeah and, and then they started swinging at each other and before i knew benches were clearing and
2: <laughs> like this is your going, this is your this is your rookie season right and uh or, yeah your rookie year right first full year yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah what's
2: going through your mind when this is happening it's like you're, you're 20 20 21 years old and all of a sudden the benches are clearing your buddy is, the Mueller's is flying in yeah right your buddy's skating around without a jersey on <laughs> like,
1: yeah that was the best part to me is <laughs> <laughs> i look over and lots I, I think he had his shoulder pads on and that's it. Yeah. And I remember, yeah. I remember asking him after I'm like, what the fuck were you doing? There? <laughs> and he's like, I remember he said, well, I looked out and the benches were clearing. I had my Jersey and elbow pads off. Cause I just fought, but I wasn't missing this one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that's the funny part is that everybody sort of pairs up. Right. Uh, but yeah. Lats is coming out of the box. He doesn't have anyone to pair up with. So it's just like straight out of slap shot, just walking around yeah, yeah. with just who's going to fight me type Dancing of thing. With everybody. Uh, I, uh,
1: I remember he was going around at the end. Like, I swear it almost looks like he's going up and just like pump faking people. Like he's going to punch them. Going, <laughs> going guy to guy, like whoever would go him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> do you so, remember yeah, that's, who, that's do you, remember who
2: you. you, who you grabbed, who you danced with?
1: I have no idea. There was, yeah. it was a dog pile
2: at that point. Yeah, it sure was. It sure well, was. Smitty, yeah. Smitty is on record as
0: saying that he started it. There was some kindling in that he was being harassed the whole game, but Smitty is the one who threw and, the first punch, which I don't think anybody but Doug Agnew saw. Doug, Doug Agnew is the only one who claims to have seen Smitty throw the first punch, which again, yeah. I, I'm, this, I'm, positive nobody else saw
2: it that way the story is that
1: i believe smitty but i believe aggie with all my rights (laughs) that's for sure
2: the story is that uh uh that ted dent who was the coach at the time uh kept telling was telling flick hey go down and uh like everybody right get in the get in the the head of smith and so smitty is just getting a thing of water sees flick gonna come and snow him in the reflection uh, of the glass, and sees but sees him in the glass, and just turns around with the blocker on, and <laughs> and uh, that's how it all started.
1: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, then I believe that.
2: did you see Ian Herbers, who's a humongous individual? Uh, did you see him start going after Ted?
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember that.
2: Oh man, like I, I that would have been great. I'd have loved to have seen that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a great experience. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, great experience. Uh I, uh Taylor, we know you gotta get going here. Uh we like to end these with uh with your thoughts on, on Milwaukee. When when you think of your time in Milwaukee, what comes to mind?
1: Oh, I mean, as as I mentioned to Liam Ambus yesterday when I was texting, I'm just like best time playing hockey. I mean. 20, 21, 22 years old. <clears throat> might co- it might be a coincidence that it was the first years that we were allowed to drink legally, but, right. uh, <laughs> maybe, but just, I just remember just having so much fun. Um, amazing. I don't know how, but just always amazing group of guys there. Um, the city itself. Like I said, I, w- I wish I took more advantage of it. Um, I remember friggin' rookie party driving around Milwaukee on a bike and the friggin' like wearing this Superman costume. Uh, all the rookies, like some dressed as girls, driving all over on a scavenger hunt. Uh, just some of the best best times um, playing hockey when I was there. <clears throat> and since I've I haven't been back since I played, and I always always said I'm gonna go back. I remember my brother came to visit and he loves loves milwaukee and he wants to come back for a summer fest one day so like i can't wait to get back and see it because it's been so long
2: I, and I,
1: a, and and having harris um he was freaking amazing owner to have nicest guy ever the most generous generous owner you could have always uh he'd give you the shirt on his back so please say hi to him for me. Cause he was nothing but, uh, but amazing to play for.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Here, we, we agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hear, hear. Mm-hmm.
0: Taylor. Great to see you. Great to talk to you. It's been, I can't believe it's been as long as it has, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's really good to catch up. Um, stay well, all the best to you and your family. And, uh, when you, when you make it to Milwaukee, we hope to see you
1: guys. Thank you so much. Great seeing, uh, seeing you guys and, say hi to everyone for me. Love my time there and uh, love you guys. Thanks.
0: Thanks, man. That's, uh, That's Taylor Beck. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast.